Uh, let's take our Bibles and open them to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's a joy for me to be preaching today while our pastor is over in Cuba. And uh, I think it would be well if we take just a minute and pray for all of them that God would just do a great, mighty work among them and the people that they're going to be serving. And I know we're receiving our offering at this time. So if it's coming your direction, keep your eyes open and heads up. That's fine. But everybody else, let's pray for the team that's in Cuba and the church, our sister church that they're helping over there this morning. Father, we just thank you for those who have, who have gone to Cuba. We thank you for the work. I'm sure early, early before we got up, whatever time it is there, uh, earlier than ours, that they've had service already. And I'm sure it was a wonderful uh, experience. Pastor Josh was speaking to that church today. I know there's going to be a lot of work going on this week. And I just pray that you would bless their hands. I pray that you'd keep them all safe. And, and may a great experience happen on both sides with our team and the church that they're there blessing. We ask you to do miracles and mighty things in the, in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said a good amen and amen. 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 We're in a series and the title of the series is Guess What I Have. And Pastor Josh got us started last week with uh, the, his beginning message called I Have Been Called. So the sermon is I Have. Guess what I have. And the first message was I Have Been Called. How many of you know God wants everybody to do something? <laughs> you know, if, if God didn't want you to do anything, you'd be dead. <laughs> How many of you are alive out there? <laughs> well, I got some good news for you. God wants you to do something. If you're alive, he has something for you to do. You know, I, always, I hadn't always felt that way. And now that I'm getting older, things have changed again. But I know, as a matter of fact, that God, irregardless of how young you are, how old you are, or somewhere in the middle, God has something for all of us to do. And that's beautiful. It's amazing. So my job this morning is to preach on, after that you've been called, God wants to equip you. I've been equipped. I've been trained. That's what we're talking about this morning. I've been equipped. Take your Bibles and look with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And let's pick it up in verse 10. Again, Jesse, and this is a story of when David was called. Again, Jesse made his seven sons pass before Samuel. I wish I knew what that looked like. Like, were they in this room and the prophet was in this other room? <laughs> and they came in and nope, nope, nope. Did he walk in front of them with all of them just standing there? And you know, he's talking to the Lord, you know. You know, he's talking to the Lord, right? Because when he passes by the first son, Eliab, he says to himself, surely, this is the Lord's anointing. You know, that guy was big and strong and tall and all of that. And, and Samuel looked at him and he said to the Lord, not to the boy, he said to the Lord, surely this is yours. And the, you know what? The Lord spoke back to him, didn't he? And he said, that's not him. Don't look at the size. Thank God. That's a, that's a blessing for me, y'all. Don't look at how big he is or strong or tall he is or how good looking he is. How many of you know, like some of me, you didn't get any of those? So you're like, thank God. When you come to 1 Samuel and you're reading through the Bible, you get to that scripture, you say, thank God for that. Don't look on the outward appearance. What does God tell him? He says, God looks on the, that's right. He looks on the heart. Amen. So you can have somebody looks brilliant on the outside, amazing features. And that person has something for God to do in their lives. But I want to tell you, nobody, everybody listen to this. Nobody can do what you're called to do. God has something special for you to do, irregardless of size or age or whatever that looks like. So let's keep on reading. He says, uh, uh, again, uh, verse 10, Jesse made his seven, his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, uh, the Lord hath not chosen any of these. Anybody have a big family? We had seven children in our family, and it was a divorce situation and a remarriage situation. My dad had four, my mom had three, and I was part of the three, and that was a total of seven. And at one time, all seven of us moved into a 
two-bedroom house with three sets of bunk beds, and I was the youngest and still didn't have a bed. And I'll tell you something, I didn't get chosen for anything, ever. <laughs> Never. So I'm relating to this story very well. He says, none of these are the right one. Verse 11, Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all of your children? And he said, there is one more. There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, how many know Samuel must have been from East Texas? Yeah, go fetch him. You see it there in your Bible? Go fetch him. Here's what he says. Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. The food is ready. The meal is ready. Everybody's excited about the prophets going to be there. Somebody's going to get anointed king. And he says, look, are these all your children? No, there's one more. Go get him. We're not even going to eat till he gets here. Verse 12. So he sent and brought him and he was ruddy. I don't know what that means, but I like it because it goes on to say he was my, the King James version says all of him was beautiful countenance. In other words, everything about him looked really great, beautiful countenance. He wasn't that big. He wasn't that strong. He was ruddy, but he had a good looking face and he was pretty good to look on. And the Lord said, Samuel, get up and anoint him. This is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of all of his brethren. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have laughed at that, but I, that just kind of does something good inside of me. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. <clears throat> Man, what a great day for David. He sure didn't get up in the morning expecting that to happen. <laughs> As a matter of fact, he was out with a sheep. Now, I've noticed in my own life that most of the time when God calls us initially to do something, when God calls us initially to do something, whatever that is, most generally we are miles and miles and miles away from being ready to do whatever it is that God called us to do. I mean, you know, David's a boy and he's just been anointed king. So, you know, he's miles and miles away from, from being ready to be king. We're almost a long ways off from whatever it is that God wants us to do. If you uh, feel strongly that God has called you to a specific thing, and maybe you know exactly what it is, maybe you don't know exactly what it is. Let me just say this. Don't pack your bags just yet. Okay, don't pack your bags just yet, because after we've been called, now it's equipping time. Now it's training time. Now it's time to learn the things that God wants you to know before you step into what God wants you to do. On David's big day, when he was anointed to be king, he was so far from being ready to be what God had called him to be that he didn't even get invited to his own party. That's how far away he was from being ready. The role that God often calls us to, to walk in when that role comes to us or we, we have an understanding of it, many times we just think that it's impossible to, for us to step into that role because we're just so far away from that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Whether that's uh, whatever your occupation is, your ministry, whatever that may be. So, so Jesse brings these seven big boys in front of the prophet. And he says, man, that's, they're, they're not the ones. And then he, how embarrassing is that, by the way, on so many levels, you know, uh, the older ones and stronger ones. And then David gets brought in. And after, you know, all this time he gets brought in. No wonder his brothers didn't like him going forward. Man, they, they, they thought, you know, I bet you one or two or three of them said, man, you just made a big mistake. <laughs> you should have anointed. You don't know what you've just done. You should have anointed one of us. Or how embarrassing that his father didn't even see in David what God saw in him. You know, David wasn't washed. He wasn't clean. No telling where he was at, what he was up to. And they actually had to send for him. Do you know how long it took? No, we don't know. Was it an hour? Was it two hours? How far away was he? Where were the sheep? They don't know, man. I mean, you talk about embarrassing. You know, I've noticed this. When God called Tina and I to be pastors, I believe that we were the least likely candidates in the building. You know, pretty much as anybody else, God should have picked them. Both of us were from broken homes. Both of us were from homes where there was addictions. I mean, I just thought, God, are you sure that you want me to step into the role of being a pastor? I just thought that was, we were the least likely people 
to be in that row. And so a lot of times, though, when God calls us and we look at who we are and what we have and where we're at, we just say, God, I just don't see this happening. But here's the thing. More often than not, when God calls us to a particular level of, of ministry or whatever that is, he's got some training for us to do. <clears throat> now, I know that God has called all of us and God wants to, therefore, equip all of us. I drove up to the church the, uh, not too long ago, maybe a, a couple of months ago, three, maybe. And uh, Pastor Josh was training Aiden how to mow grass on a 61-inch zero-turn lawnmower. And I just happened to drive up. So as a pawpaw, I decided this was of a particular interest to me to see how Pastor Josh was going to train my grandson to mow grass. Now, Aiden had never mowed grass before. Okay, so Josh gets on the mower and he there he tells him how to turn the blades on, how to start it, how you have to put everything in a certain place to start it, how to do all this and do all that and everything. And then when he's finished, he gets off the lawnmower. Aiden gets on the lawnmower and he, now it's his turn. So he's going through the processes of of, you know, cranking it and, you know, and then after he gets to that place in his, his point where it's time for him to drive it, you know, he goes forward and backwards a little bit. I mean, you know, when you first drive a zero turn, it's a lot different than driving a craftsman or something else, you know. It's a lot different, right? So, 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 so Pastor Josh kind of got him trained. He takes off, and Pastor Josh can see that maybe a little more training is going to be necessary. So he kind of, you know, run along beside him, you know, hollering out a few, you know, things and, and you know, slow down and, you know, watch this and watch out for that. Tell you, whoa, 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 you know, that sort of thing. And that's, that's, but, but, but let me ask you this. How does anybody learn how to do anything? So, but now it's so cool when you drive by the church today, guess what you're going to see? You're going to see Aiden out there mowing grass on this big old 61 inch Ferris lawnmower and his, his dad, he's been trained and he's been taught and that's a beautiful thing. And now he's out there weeding, he's out there mowing. And I'll tell you something really cool. That's exactly what our church wants to do for you and for me and anyone who has a calling in their life. God, what we want to do is we want to walk alongside you. For example, if you feel like you've been called to children's ministry, I want you to know that Christy Pogue wants to walk alongside of you. She wants to sit down and show you how it's done, bring you in. She wants to get you sit down and do your thing. Thing. She wants to give you instruction and help you until she's trained you to the place where you can work in children's ministry and feel comfortable. Same with youth ministry. If you feel called to youth ministry, God bless you. Only certain kind of people are called to that ministry. And so if that's you, man, I want to tell you, Scott, he wants to, he wants to help you and walk you through. I remember we was going through some youth training. Our pastor showed us how we made some mistakes. And when they, we tried again, we made some more mistakes and he walked us through, shouted out some more orders and helped us. He if you want that, Scott wants to help you. Listen, if you feel called to street ministry or Cuba ministry or any other outside ministry, Susie will walk you to the prison, help you, teach you the jails, go to the apartments in town, feed hungry people, whatever that looks like. Go on a missions trip. She'll walk you through until you can stand up there before people and do what God has called you to do. Or if you have been felt like you've been called to be a pastor, I want you to know our pastor is one of the best at this. Even when I was the pastor here and I was in charge of our Lufkin section. I'll often use Josh to train some of these ministers and walk them through the process. Listen, you are very fortunate to be sitting in a place where the pastor loves young pastors. He will walk with you. He'll let you have a venue. He'll even give you the microphone and give you an opportunity to share your testimony as you have seen in the past few weeks and months because he loves to train people to do what God is calling. Can I tell you this? You never feel better in your life than when you're doing Doing what God wants you to do. That's right. Give the Lord a good clap offering. That wasn't near good enough. <laughs> you know what I've learned over the years? Everyone wants their life to count. And the way to make your life count the best is to make it count for the Lord. All of those people coming back from Cuba in a few days, I'm going to tell you, they're going to be on top of the world. Why? Because they've been serving people. And because they've been serving people, their hearts are going to be enlarged like crazy. Man, it's never a better moment in your life when you're doing what you believe God's called you to do. It's the greatest feeling you could ever have. Every time my wife and I come back from Thailand or Africa, or Cuba, or wherever it is we've been, maybe we've been working in an orphanage over there, maybe uh, some, doing a work in a ministry. She always says, on the way home on the airplane ride, she says, man, let's pack up and move there. 
I mean, you know, we just ministered to all those children in Thailand on the way home. She's like, I think we should just go there, just sell everything and pack up and go there. On the way back home from Africa, we, we'd been uh, uh, taking the Christmas gifts to all the children. She says, didn't you feel it? I said, feel what? She said, we should move there. We should do is we should be there. That's what God's called us to do. I said, listen, there are a lot of children in America too. <laughs> I lovingly say we don't have to move to Africa or Cuba or Thailand to make our lives count. And neither do you. Your life can count right here among us. Man, I tell you, the truth is nothing makes you feel better than helping people and serving people and making a difference. Now, I brought you to this point. That's my opening statements. I want to ask you the $99 question now. If serving others makes us feel great and fulfills the calling that God has put in our heart, then why is it that we have such a hard time getting people or going ourselves to serve others? That's the $99 question. So what I'd like to do this morning is give you the top 847 reasons people avoid their calling. <laughs> and training. Of course, I'm joking about the 847 reasons. I have seven. But I just figured that if I said seven up front, you might balk at that because that seems like a lot. But now, after hearing 847, how many of you know seven doesn't seem like much at all? That's right. I, I want to talk to you about seven reasons why people don't get trained and go fulfill their calling. And I, I think I am the perfect person to talk about this because I have experienced these firsthand and still experience them sometimes. So if you got pen and paper and you'd like to take some notes today, why don't people go do what God's called them to do? Why don't people fulfill the mission that's in their heart? Here's what I know, everybody is called, everybody, God has something for everybody to do. Why don't we go do it? I wanna share with you the top seven reasons that I believe people are apprehensive about fulfilling their calling. Number seven, y'all ready? Here we go, here we go, taking notes, here we go. The, the top seven, number seven, what if I mess up? What if I mess up? What if I say something wrong? What if I do something wrong? What if I mess up? Let me ask you something. Do you really think a child cares if you mess up when you're sharing your little testimony, if you're taking your time to be out there loving on them and feeding them and doing things with them and caring for them? I can tell you right now, we've messed up plenty of times and most of the time they never even notice. You know, most of the time when people mess up, they're the only one that knows it. And Satan puts this incredible fear inside of us that says, man, I really would like to go and do that. I would really like to try that. I'd like to be in Cuba today. I'd like to be doing some of those things. But what if I mess up? What if I do something wrong? I want to tell you right now, a hungry person doesn't care if you mess up your testimony. If you get asked to share your testimony to somebody that's maybe had addictions or problems and stuff in their life, you get asked to share your testimony and you turn it down because you're afraid to mess up. I'm going to tell you, 99% of the times that I messed up, they didn't even know or care. I used to preach in jail every single Sunday before anybody would let me preach anywhere else. And all those people were locked up, so they didn't have a choice, really. So I would take my guitar down there, and that's truer than not. It was the old Polk County Jail where you would go in there, and all of their cells were there. And I was in these areas that it was kind of the steel doors were here and the little windows were here. And they were all there. They couldn't leave. They couldn't go anywhere. Now it's all sophisticated. They come out in a room. They have a choice. They can either come or not come, right? They didn't have a choice. Baby, they got Kevin Pogue on the guitar, Kevin Pogue on the singing, and Kevin Pogue on the preaching. That's right. And when it was over, they got Kevin Pogue on the prayer. And I went around back, and I prayed for them and all those kind of things. But, but man, I'm going to tell you, I messed up so many times, they didn't know or care. You know what they were glad of? They were glad I was there. They were glad that I offered up a prayer. I remember one day, I felt somebody reach behind my head. I'm, there's the bars, and I'm in the back now. They grabbed my head and pulled my head into the bars, and I felt something dripping. I said, oh, my goodness, uh, he's done smashed my head into the bars, and I'm, my blood is coming out of my face, and it's dripping on me because he hit me pretty hard of the bars but he was you know in a, in a way he was a desperate man in a way and and then I looked up and it wasn't my blood at all it was his tears 
And I'll never forget, this guy was really, really angry and hard the first few weeks that I was there. Many of them stay there for months and months and months, man. After a while, God tends to soften their hearts. And, and then he begins to speak to them. I'm talking about a guy who has zero credentials, who can't play the guitar very well and wasn't great at singing. And then I would go back there and I would pray for him. And this guy, he was just bawling like a baby. And he said, I want to give my heart to the Lord. I wasn't even very good at praying for people. I didn't know hardly what to do. But I know one thing. Jesus saved me, and he can save me. He can save anybody. And so I said, let's pray. Man, I prayed for that guy, and this is a true story. He went off to TDC. I remember I gave him Bibles and stuff, and he started learning and growing. He was hungry for God. And I wasn't very intelligent about it all, but I said, man, God's changed my life. And if God can change my life, he can change anybody's life. And this guy went off to TDC, and I didn't hear from him for a few years, maybe three or four. And one day we came home from church on a Sunday night. And when we come home from Sunday night service, a lot of times we're just dead. So we just, we take a shower, eat something, go to bed. And we were about to eat something and there was a knock on the door. I said, that's pretty weird for a Sunday night. Late, I went open the door and it was this guy. It was this guy from jail. He got out of prison. I couldn't believe my eyes. He found me somehow. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the guy, you know, the blood guy. Yeah, that's the one. And so anyway, I said, man, what are you doing? He said, Pastor Kevin, which I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't anything. I was a terrible guitar player and a poor speaker. But anyway, that's what I was. And he said, Pastor Kevin, he said, I've gotten out. But while I was in, I became a preacher and I have my credentials. And this is my new wife. <laughs> Now I ask you a question. Do you really think he cared if I missed some of my notes? If I said something wrong? He don't care. Man, I'll tell you something. I've seen professional football get, players get hit and run the wrong direction. I've seen professional basketball players shoot at the wrong goal. What if I mess up? If you mess up, get up, laugh at yourself, and go on. Nobody cares. We beat ourselves up too much. The devil is a big help on that. We beat ourselves up. I'm going to tell you, a lot of times you folks have blessed me in ways that you can't believe. You probably got in your car and said, I wonder if I said the right thing. I wonder if I, I, wonder if I messed up. Stop all that. Stop all that. Listen, the only person who never messes up is the person who never does anything. Come on, somebody. Amen. Number six. Are we still going? Right. Keep it. Here we go. Number six. Another reason people don't come and get equipped and fulfill their calling is because they say, you guys have got a great team already. You don't need me. I'm not needed. I don't really matter that much. I'm not needed. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you think this great team became a great team? I'll tell you how they became a great team by trying first and not doing very well. And keeping on trying. That's how they became a great team. And, and you know, by serving, by being trained, by doing. And, and how many of you know if you're going to learn something, you might as well learn from the best, right? That's the team you want to be on to start with. How does anybody learn how to do anything just like Aiden? They learn how to do stuff by repetition, by, by making mistakes and failing and keeping on trying and all of those kind of things. So please don't let that stop you. Listen, if you want to be on a team, be on the best team. So you can learn to be the best. That's my, that was always my thinking. I want to be trained by the best so that in the future I can be the best that I can be. Amen. So don't let that stop you. Number five, I don't have any special skills. I don't know what I could do to help. Well, let me ask you a question because I've been on thousands of these things. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and if you have any of these skills, then you know that you're the right person, okay? So I don't know what I could do, Pastor Kevin, if I want. Well, can you carry stuff? That's a pretty sophisticated job, but there's thousands of things that have to be carried to the trailer. When we get there, they have to be unpacked out of the trailer. Can you carry stuff? Can you set up chairs? Wow, that's a, that's a tough one, too. Can you load stuff, unload stuff? Can you play with kids? 
can, can you play with kids? One time we was in Thailand and we took some doctors and nurses with us to this orphanage because they had a lot of uh, needs there, no medicine and all kind of stuff. And we was in Thailand. And so the doctors and the sophisticated nurses and all the important people, they went and set up a clinic and we helped them. And then me and Michelle and Tina and a few more of us, non-sophisticated, not highly skilled people, were left to play with the children. Well... The problem was everybody who was somebody was in there with the doctors and nurses and we speak a different language. And we look around and nobody is there to interpret for us. So I tell Michelle, hey, I got an idea. Where you at, Shell? Okay. I said, I have an idea. I said, let's play some duck, duck, goose. Because anybody, even if you don't speak the language, can learn how to play duck, duck, goose. I said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take the Americans and we're going to go with them first and show them how. So here's what I did. I run around the circle, duck, duck. Man, they are looking, duck, duck, goose. And they get up and anybody ever played that game? Yeah, okay. So they get up and we run, man. And I run over there and I sit down in Shell's place. And Shell's like, duck, 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 goose. And then she does it to the next American we had there. And they run and she sat down in there. And then, and then they come back and do it to me. Now it's my turn. So I'm, I'm running through there. And these are like five, six, seven, eight-year-old, some of the most precious children we've ever seen in our lives. And I run around there and I, I said, goose to one of them. Son, you didn't have to teach them long. That dude was up and he was on me. And I was running like a crazy man trying to keep him from catching me. And I slid into my place. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. He went around in that circle. He said he didn't know any American words whatsoever. And we didn't know but about seven Thai words. And he said, duh, 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 duh. And he said, goo. <laughs> and when he did, baby, that girl jumped up and she took off running after him. And it was on. Yeah. Here was the crazy part. When we got ready to leave that orphanage, those kids cried. And they said, we don't want y'all to go. Do you think they care if we messed up, Goose? No. I'm going to tell you right now, there's no way that they could care. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. You don't have to have any special anything, in my opinion. Just go, and God will use you. Just go and do your thing for the Yeah, give the Lord a cl good clap offering. <clears throat> While we were there, I'll never forget Lon Matthews that on Matthews Furniture went with us from Nacogdoches. Any of you know Lon? It's a good guy. He's passed now, but he had a pretty good bit of money, and he couldn't help himself, man. He bought them refrigerators, and they didn't have any refrigerators and stuff, didn't have clean water. Man, you talk about a blessing. If you got money, you'll never have more fun. I, let me just tell you one more story. I'm never going to get to the end of this sermon, but uh, we, we went to this orphanage in Thailand and it was a boy's orphanage, right? And so, so we were there and uh, I asked the guy, I said, had they ever been to a restaurant? The boys, there was about 17, 18 of them. Never been to a restaurant before? They said, no, never been to a restaurant before. And so I said, I'd like to take them and buy them all something at a restaurant because I love to eat. And uh, if I'd love to eat, then probably most people do. And so we took them all. We loaded them all up in our van and we, so we went to this restaurant. When I say a restaurant, I use that word very casually because it had four standing poles and a thatch roof and one place in the middle where they served the food and a bunch of dogs and a few people, not many. We invaded this restaurant, if that's what you want to call it. And so they, they said that all they had was chicken and rice. Let me tell you the truth. Now, you don't think I'm telling you a story, but I'm not stretching this none. The chicken was about as thick as your fingernail. And about that long, pieces of it in the rice. And uh, so these kids, they ate a bowl of rice and then they were all looking at me. I said, why are they looking at me? He said, well, they're wondering if they can have another bowl. I said, oh my goodness, you tell them to eat as much. Tell the guy, you feed them until they can't eat no more. And y'all, you ever seen a puppy that's just ate so much his old belly was just like, I mean, when them kids come out of there, boy, I just said, they'd never been to a restaurant. I told Tina, I could spend every dollar I have here just blessing people. I'm going to tell you, whatever you have, God will use in a mighty way. Yeah. Give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. <laughs>
number four. I sure hope that don't spill. Number four, I'm not super spiritual. I don't know the Bible that well. I get a little nervous when I pray for people. You know what that's called? That's called training. That's called equipping. That's called learning how. Man, you get out there and you learn how with people who don't care how much you know. They just care how much you love them. Now in here, maybe it would be more sophisticated and complicated. Maybe you'd have to know a little bit more. But out there where God is sending us so many times, Man, spirituality that really doesn't matter that much. What if someone asked me a question, Pastor Kevin, and I can't answer it? Anybody ever had that phobia? What if somebody asked me a question? I'm out there working for the Lord, man. Somebody asked me a question. When Tina and I first got our training to go out to the streets, we did some streets ministry for a while. You wouldn't believe this, and we didn't use a whole lot of intelligence at times. I remember we went into this bar one night, and uh, I just we walked in, four of us, and I, I said, hey, can I preach in here? Probably about... 22 in this bar and they had music going and all that. The lady behind the bar, she says a true story. This was in Livingston, Texas in the quarters. And I said, hey, without a microphone, can I preach in here? The lady behind the bar said, go ahead, I'm Baptist. I said, all right then. I jumped up on the table and I gave a message. I don't know how good or bad it was, man, but I gave one, right? 22-year-old guy, don't know anything. I gave him a message about how Jesus Christ died for us and he saved us and he wants to save y'all. Now, I said, if anybody wants to be saved, y'all just come on outside. We're gonna meet you out there. How many of y'all think, how many, how many you think come out there? Zero. <laughs> Zero. But I'm gonna tell you something. That wasn't for them that day. As of this guy right here, God was doing something in my, he was, he was taking some of that amazing fear that was in me out of me to be able to show me that I can share my testimony or I, you don't have to be super spiritual. Anyway, this guy that was training us, let me get back to my story, my other story. He, he said, man, go, people are gonna ask y'all questions when you get out there, right? And I'm gonna tell you what to tell them right now. And I'm gonna give you this for free, okay? This is not gonna cost you a dime. And it's helped me more than anything in the world, all right? Here we go. He said, look, somebody's gonna ask you, well, what about Revelation? Book of Revelation. What about the Antichrist? <laughs> what about, what about, this or that or something else. What about once saved, always saved? What about the Holy Spirit? What about this? And we didn't know anything about any of those. We never even heard of that stuff before. We knew Christians. The best time to train people is before they get too much knowledge of the wrong kind of stuff in their head. Come on, somebody. Best time to get somebody trained is before they already know something. Man, that's where we were. I'll tell you what. So here's what he said. You get out there and, he, and somebody asks you a question you don't know, here's what you say to them. You say, man, I don't know about that, but I know Jesus. He saved my life and he can save your life and that's what he wants to do and he'll give you a blessing. And then they ask you another question. Man, I don't know about that, but I know Jesus saved me and cleansed me and he healed me and I will tell you, he can do that for you too. Come on, somebody. How many of you know? You ain't got to know everything. <laughs> You ain't got to know everything. You know what you need to know? Have you been saved? Has your life been changed? Then go tell them that. Man, I've, I've been changed. I've been cleansed. I've been, I'm a different person than I used to be. That's all you need to know. Let them try to figure out all the rest of it. <laughs> Man, I'm not super spiritual. So what? So what? Uh, sometimes even now, I tell people, well, we'll know about that when we get to heaven. <laughs> Number three, are you still tracking with me? I'm having lots of fun. I don't know how y'all are doing, but I'm having lots of fun. Number three, I'm afraid. I'm apprehensive. I'm nervous to do what I feel like God's called me to do. <clears throat> now, to be honest with you, that's the first honest answer we've had thus far. That's legit. I'm nervous. I'm afraid. <clears throat> but let me tell you a secret. Can I tell y'all a secret and y'all not tell anybody? All right. I get nervous every time. I preached on several different continents using different languages. I remember one time I preached 
it was three languages. I spoke in English. They translated into the Thai for the Thai people who was there. They translated into the Akka language. And when it got back to me, I couldn't hardly remember what I said. <clears throat> and I had never spoken before with all that translation. You think I felt good about that? <laughs> I'll tell you, I was as nervous as a pig at a luau. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, when I first began to speak, I had about a 45-minute message. I got up on that platform. My knees was knocking behind that sacred desk. I didn't know what I was doing up there. About seven minutes, it had all been said twice. And I told Tina, I'm sure God hadn't called me to preach. The only thing that saved me that day was some old boy got saved. I'm glad the Holy Ghost was moving in that building that day or I would have never survived that scene. That's the truth. Yeah, a guy got saved. I went over there and sat down on the stairs out the door and I said to myself, man, God ain't called you to preach, boy. You just made a mess out of that. And some guy said, man, get out of here. Pray for this man. He come to get saved. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, God saved me. He knew that's going to be the end of my career right there. It, first message, seven minutes, repeat, over, done. Yeah, I want to tell you the truth. I was afraid every time I went to jail. I was, I was afraid to come up here this morning. But you know what I know? And you're going to think, hey, you don't think that's the truth? You get up here and finish this for me. <laughs> All right. All right, then. Yeah. I'm always afraid. You know, I, I speak at a lot of funerals and weddings, and I'm afraid at every one of them. I sometimes have to get my wife to pray for me because I'm going to tell you, you know what fear does? It stops you from doing what God wants you to do. That's all in the world that it does. It stops you from doing what God wants you to do. There's a lot of us in this room right now who've had opportunities to do things for God and we didn't speak up, we didn't go, we didn't do, we didn't say because we were afraid. Here's what I wanna tell you this morning, maybe it'll be a blessing to you. I'm afraid every time, just go on and do it anyway. I have to push past that fear. For a number of years when I pastored, I remember it would take me three or four or five minutes if I could ever get my text read, I felt better about going forward with the message. I was, it's just the truth. For those guys that are natural behind this pulpit, God bless them. I, I'm, I'm thankful for them, but that's never been me. It's always been a level of insecurity and in whatever that is. Maybe it's just the devil. I don't know. I've been blessed to preach in all kinds of places all over the world, but it never came without some type of anxiety or fear or whatever. So if you stand up to do something for God and your knees are knocking and you're afraid, you just remember Pastor Kevin's afraid too. And you just go ahead and get on up there and speak for the Lord and you'll push through that fear and it'll get a little bit better each time and it'll get a little better. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind, a sound mind to be able to do the things that he has called us to do. <clears throat> Shake that fear off of you somehow, some way, and just keep on moving forward with the Lord. <clears throat> Number two. We are going to get finished today. I can see that is going to happen for us. We're getting close. I don't have time. Pastor Kevin, I, I would, but I just don't have time. Man, the truth is we are busier than ever. There's no doubt about it. We're busier than we've ever been before. <clears throat> but we make time to do what's important to us. And when our life comes to an end, we see that actually time was all we did have. The sum total of our lives is how we use the time that we have. Let me just say it again, in case I'm preaching your funeral in the future or you're preaching mine. The sum total of my life is how I use my time. In other words, they're gonna stand before me one day and they're gonna say, Pastor Kevin used his time in this way or that way, or another way. And his life either made a difference or it didn't. I don't have time. I want to encourage you, take a little time. Take a little time, because it's so important. Amen. 
doing things for God will bless you above anything else that you can do for anybody else. Number one, here we go. Last one. I don't feel worthy. I have issues in my life. I can't tell you how many people have told me that over the years. By the way, I hope nobody gets offended for me throwing my paper down there. I like it. Okay. So <laughs> say, boy, he could stick that under his next paper. Yeah, but I might get confused and start preaching the wrong one again. And that would not be good, right? This way, there's no more danger. And it's done. It's over. That part's done. And you may get out early if you just let me do that. And it'd be good for you too, see? That's right. I have issues in my life. Did you know that's part of the equipping process, the training process? Look at the issues the disciples had. Weren't they a mess? How'd you like to be in charge of that crew? Man, I mean, Jesus is always having to... Oh, Peter, 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 Peter. John, sons of thunder, are you kidding? You gonna call fire down on these guys? We're here to preach the... Peter, John, James... Oh, come on. And how about Thomas and Judas? Okay, I think I've made my point. You know what Jesus knew, though? He knew that hanging around with good company, given time, many of those issues would fall away, and maturing and confidence and gifting would come in their place. Isn't that good? If you hang around the right people, I want to I wanna tell you right now, whether they want you to or not, you go find somebody you want to hang around with. The guy that I chose to hang around with didn't really want me much hanging around with him, but I wanted to hang around with him because I knew I could learn a lot from him, and I pressed my way in to hang around with him every chance I got, and pretty soon he got to liking it too. And I learned a lot. Yeah. So... A lot of those issues will fall off and maturing and confidence and gifting will take their place. Now, granted, if you're living in open rebellion to the Bible, you need to fix that for a lot of reasons. Number one is you don't want to sit in a church long enough to start thinking that what you're doing is okay when it's not okay and then stand before God and go, man, I knew that was wrong, but I didn't do anything. Come on, that's when the church really should have said amen. I'll tell you one more time. Let's try it again. So you don't want to stand before God one day knowing that what you're doing is not right, knowing you needed to fix it and not fixing it and stand before God and then be in trouble. So that's a lot better. That's a good, awesome. Okay. But here's the thing. If you're feeling like you're not good enough for God to use you because of something in your past that God has already forgiven you for in your present, that is just the lying voice of the devil. You tell him to take a hike and go do what God has called you to do. Give the Lord a good clap offering one more time. Now let me try to bring this message to a close with a very, very important point for all of us. What God has called us to do may or may not ever become our job or our source of income. I want to say that again because it's so important. What God has called us to do may or may not ever become our job or our source of income. It might, but it might not. Mine never did. What God had called Tina and I to do never became our income. We used our income to do what God had called us to do. Let me explain what I'm talking about. I'll give you this example. Tina and I have always felt like we've been called to children's ministry. We have walked and worked and lived and lived out our ministry in orphanages in Africa and Asia, North America. She's gone to South America and Moldova and different places in the world. We have adopted a little girl when she was one day old from Seattle, as well as adopted ch uh, children from overseas. I remember one day I was driving the bus to Wales and there was two little boys on the bus around maybe around 14 and 12 or 11. And uh, one of them asked me, said, hey, pastor, would you let me have five dollars? I said, boy, if I gave you five dollars, what would you do with it? He said, man, I'd buy something to eat because we ain't got any food in our house. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, Pastor Kevin, he said, is there any way we could come home and live with you? I said, well, 
I said, boy, your mama wouldn't let y'all come home and live with us. He said, I believe she would. I said, I'll tell you what. How many know you better be careful what you say? I said, I'll tell you what. You guys, you two guys are the last ones on my stop. I'm going to stop at your house and you run inside and ask your mama, can you come home and live with us? And if your mama says you can come home and live with us, then you can come home and live with us. I had to tell Tina on the way home, you're not going to believe this, but I'm bringing two boys that are coming home to live with us. Yeah, didn't bring a pair of pants, a shirt, nothing. The youngest one, we bought his first truck together. He comes, sees me all the time, calls me all the time. I helped him buy their first house not too long ago. What a blessing. I didn't know it was a blessing at the time, but what a blessing. I'll tell you, man, that's always been our heart. My wife taught children church forever. We, uh, we, we've done children's ministry. We do BGMC even now. We even have, I'm a, I'll be, I'm be, that's none of your uh, business how old I am, but I'm going to tell you, it's real close to six something, okay? And so, but, but anyway, don't be surprised if you happen to hear one day we've taken in a load of children in our house. Because my wife talks about that all the time. As a matter of fact, she told me one time, God is going to let me get pregnant again. I said, I don't believe he is. I don't believe he is. Yeah. The reason I knew we wasn't going to get pregnant again, because we had the insurance that she wasn't going to get pregnant again. I took care of that. Paid for it in full, right? She said, God's going to let me get pregnant again. I said, I don't believe he is. She said, God has put on my heart. He's birthed my heart. We got a baby coming somehow. I said, that's crazy. <laughs> crazy. Phone rang one day. A lady on the other end said, hey, I have a teenage girl in Seattle, Washington. She's pregnant. They can't afford the baby. They're living in the back of a car. Somebody's giving us your number. Do you want her? Oh, I came home from work. She's bawling like a baby. You ain't going to believe what happened. She said, God, then open the door. <laughs> I was like, you rascal, you. I tell you one. <laughs> Listen, we've never got paid for doing all that. It's cost us everything we have. And we love it. 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 As a matter of fact, we have one of the most beautiful girls you'll ever look upon living with us right now named Kaya. I tell you, she's a beautiful thing. God's blessed us with her. And I'm going to tell you, Tina's a dozen times have wanted to bring orphanages home. She's wanted to bring kids from school home. So don't be shocked if you think we've lost our mind in the future. It could well happen. <clears throat> I understand God has a calling for all of us. He also wants us to be trained and equipped to do what he wants us to do. And you know what? Our church wants to help you do that. I'm going to ask our band to come and our worship leaders to come. And I'm going to ask everybody else, would you stand, please, wherever you're at in the building? Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment? <clears throat> and I want to pray for us. The world is doing everything possible, Father, to confuse the citizens of our world about what is right and wrong. You've called the church to stand up for what is right. Would you equip us now? Would you give us a boost of confidence this morning? Maybe that person on our job that we should have already spoken to. Maybe that person in the restaurant that we should have already loved. Would you give us a boost of confidence to stand up for what is right? Would you help us not only to feel the burden or the calling of what you have put upon our hearts, 
but to be equipped and trained to do it in a way to bring about success. With every head bowed and every eye closed, in just a moment, uh, prayer partners, I'm sorry. I should have already asked you to come. Would you please come quickly and get ready to pray for people? God bless you so much. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if, listen, brothers and sisters, if you have something in your life that you know is keeping you from fulfilling your calling, you have issues in your life that you need to lay down, you need to repent of those and get them out of your life where you can find incredible fulfillment in the calling that God created you for. In just a moment, we're going to ask you to come and to lay those things down at the altar and say, give them to God. I don't want them. I don't want them. They've held me back long enough. Forgive me and help me to move forward. If you're ready to serve God and you want God to open up a door for you, ladies and gentlemen, in this congregation to be trained and equipped for your calling, in just a minute, we're going to ask you to come. And some of these brothers and sisters here are going to anoint you with oil and pray for you. So here's what we're going to do. Just these two things this morning. If you're in the building right now and you have some things in your life that you need to let go of, their rebellion against the Bible and against God and everybody's had them, but we have to come to a place in our life where we lay them down. This is your moment in time. God is speaking to you. I want you to come right now. If you're in the building right now and you feel like God has called you, but you need him to open doors for you, I want you to come right now, wherever you're at in the building. Come on, if that's you, you have things in your life you need to lay down before God. Come on and lay them down right now and say, God, I want to fulfill this calling that I have in my life. If God has called you, you may or may not know exactly what it's going to be or look like, but you need him to open doors for you for training and equipping and to prepare you for what God has for you, I want you to come right now as well. And we're going to pray for you and believe God for you and help you. And if you're in this building today and you know you've been called and you know what it's called to, you need to get someone to walk with you and help you. And we want to do that for you. Just come right now, wherever you're at. If you're in the building today and you say, Pastor Kevin, I don't even know the Lord. I'm like that guy in the jail that you was talking about. I'm a million miles away from God and I need to be saved. If that's you, I want you to come right now and let one of these people pray for you and with you today and we're going to believe God to save you and change you. Hallelujah. Listen, I don't know all the answers but I know there's a loving God in heaven who will save you and change your life and if that's you I want you to come right now and just let people pray for you. Give it to God this morning. Look at here at all these people at this altar right now. Would you stretch your hand this way and begin to pray for them right now and Father in the name of Jesus. We thank you this morning. We thank you this morning. Anybody else is not too late. Come right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.